We are so thankful that you're here. I love you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for allowing me to be a part of this church. You guys are phenomenal. You're fantastic. I love you with all my heart. We got a place to study today in the Word of God that I think a lot of people would try to get away from because it's a sticky situation. We're in Joshua, the second chapter. We took a look at uh, Joshua himself, and we saw what made him such a man of God, such a warrior. He followed the Word of God. He, he kept it in his heart. He didn't stray from the right or to the left. He was a man of God. Now we've come to the second chapter, and we're going to meet a lady named Rahab. We've got to look at it straight up. She's a liar. She has lied to the king. She has done what our Lord says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, where he says, Lying lips are an abomination to me. And yet she lied. On the other hand, she is only one of two women that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which is commonly called the Lord God's Hall of Faith. She and Sarah are the two women that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, being that she is a woman that is a woman of faith. Now, what are we going to do? How are we going to justify, if in fact we will try to justify, what are we going to do with this place in Scripture that that shows us a woman that is called a woman of faith by God, as you're going to see in a moment, She's in the line of, of our Lord Jesus Christ's genealogy. She is a Gentile and she is a pagan. When you think of the name Rahab, there are two other names that usually go along with it. Do you know what it is, Rahab? What the, yeah, throughout eternity she is known as a harlot. And yet God loves her to death. We need to look at this, and we need to look at it with a, with a clear mind and a clear heart. We need to see what is God saying about this lady, what makes her so unique. And I think you'll find it's in the title. She is, without question, a woman of faith. We are in a sticky situation here in uh, Joshua chapter 2, only because, uh, as some try to propose, that she's not a believer yet. That's not true. Absolutely not true. False. She is a believer. She has already trusted in Jesus Christ when these spies are the coming Messiah. She's already trusted in, in God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She's already trusted him before the spies have come to Jericho. We're not in a position to defend her lying. But on the other hand, she really acted like any, any pagan would. You have to put her into perspective She has not been raised understanding the Torah. She has not been raised with the traditions of the Jewish faith. She has been raised a Gentile who worships uh, pagan gods and idols. And she has turned from that. But she doesn't know all the inner workings. And even in the Old Testament, we see Abraham, we see David, we see Isaac, just to name a few who distorted the truth one way or another in their own lives. And so I'd say we shouldn't be too hard on Rahab, but that doesn't encourage or excuse the fact that she lied. We just simply need to take her circumstance into our hearts and try to figure out what went on here. Rahab's lives are, are recorded in Scripture right here. And there's no proof that God approved of it. 
but it is proof that God placed her into the hall of faith. Ethical problems aside, the main lesson here, make no mistake about it, is that she is a woman of faith, deep faith. And she risks her life to hide these two spies that came to her home. And she did it for a reason, as we're going to read in verses um, 12 and 13. She did it to protect her father. And she did it, as it says in verse 11, because she knew that these men were on a mission from God and that they were going to take the land. And so with that in mind, let's take a look at Rahab and see what it is that we can learn from her either to do or about her that we shouldn't do. Read with me the first 14 verses of this great and wonderful chapter. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Siddim, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And so it says in verse 3, The king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all of our land. But the woman had taken the two men and hid them. And she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it came about that when it was time to shut the gate at dark, that the men went out. I don't know where they went. Pursue them quickly. You'll overtake them. She had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Verse 8, now before they lay down, the two spies, she came up to them on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. Verse 3, she says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And when we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Verse 12, Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household. And give me a pledge of truth. Spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Closes here in verse 14, saying, So the men said to her, Our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. And it shall come about that when the Lord gives us the land, that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. And so we see this story. We see clearly she told the king they're not here, knowing they were there. She lied. We learn from the scriptures that we are to follow authority. We as Christians ought to be as good a citizen as anyone on the face of this earth. But we're also going to learn something else about the Word of God today, and that is that we're to follow the Word of God rather than the law of the land. 
There is no way that you and I should vary from following what God tells us to do. There's a lot in this place, and let's take the time to look at it, but first let's prepare our hearts. Let's pray. Father, I love these people so much. I thank you for the privilege of being here with them. I look at some faces that I see week in and week out, and my heart leaps within me of of just thankfulness for them. And I pray that you'll bless each of us, that you will do as the psalmist writes in Psalms 119, verse 18, that you would open up our eyes, that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Father, please teach us. Let us learn from those that make mistakes and let us learn from those who do things correctly and let us learn so that we might be a people who do, who do good in your sight, who live to please you. So, Father, please move me aside. Please take this message and allow, allow the people not to see either Jennifer who's signing or myself who is speaking. And let us, uh, let us see your words through the characters that you have allowed us to see in your Bible, that you have allowed to, Father, um, us to see the dirty laundry as well as the clean. We see it all. And so you give us choices to make. Let us be as Rahab is. Let us be people of true, saving faith. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Rahab. <laughs> when you hear her name, you, you add to it almost automatically two other words. Rahab the harlot. Yet only two women are honored by name in Hebrews chapter 11, which is commonly called the God's hall of faith. And the two women are Sarah, the wife of Abraham, and Rahab, the harlot of Jericho. Now, Sarah, you know, uh, was the wife of Abraham, who is the founder of the Hebrew race, and she, Sarah, gave birth to Isaac. Rahab, on the other hand, was a Gentile harlot. She worshipped pagan gods because she didn't know any better, and she sold her body for money. From a human point of view, humanly speaking, Sarah and Rahab have absolutely nothing in common. Yet to look at the both of them from God's viewpoint, Sarah and Rahab shared the most important thing in life, and that is they both exercised saving faith in the one true God, the living God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now, not only does the Bible compare Rahab with Sarah, but if you would turn with me to James, hold your place here, look at James chapter 2. In fact, when when you get to James, don't leave James when I tell you to come back to to Joshua, but stay there because I want you to see Hebrews in a moment. It's just so you won't have to go back and forth too much. In James chapter 2, the Bible associates Rahab with none other than Abraham. And James uses both Abraham and Rahab to illustrate the fact that, humanly speaking, true saving faith is always proven by our seeing the other person do good things. Let me make this point through 
James chapter 2. Look at verse 21. James writes, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? It says in verse 22, I want you to take note of these first two words. You see, very important, you see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. Scriptures was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Verse 24, you see that a man is justified by works and not faith alone in the same way. In other words, like Abraham, who was justified through his faith and it was reckoned to him as righteousness in the same way was not Rahab, the harlot, also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now, I was taught a long time ago, I I even still have the notes in my Bible in the book of James. When we see the words in verses 22 and 24, you see those words are there so that you and I can see a person's good works or deeds or the fruit of their lives. We see these things so that we can note that that is true salvation. When someone says, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, and when they say that and then they do things that matches their words we see their, their faith. We see their salvation. Not so with God. He doesn't need that. He sees our hearts. He sees whether Jesus Christ is in us or not. But for you and me to see true salvation, we need to see the results, which is deeds, fruit, good works. True salvation will bring that out of all of us When we see fruit or deeds or any good works, it reveals a person's heart. What the Bible does in James is compare Abraham, who did good things and believed God, faith. It was given to him as righteousness. On the same way, we see Sarah doing the same thing. But there's more. On your way back to to Joshua, if you want to, stop in Matthew just for a moment. Matthew chapter 1. The Bible not only associates Rahab with Sarah and with Abraham, but it also places her in the high company within the genealogy of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, it reads this. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And if you jump ahead and you look in the genealogy, you'll see mentioned in verse 5, Solomon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. That's the same Rahab that we are looking at here in Joshua chapter 2. Same woman. Now, let's go back. Wait. Go back now to Hebrews 11. But listen, Rahab has come a long way. She was a Gentile pagan prostitute. 
And now we have seen she is compared to Sarah, to Abraham, and in the genealogy, the line of Jesus Christ. And you and I should not be surprised. Because in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, it says where sin increases or abounds. In other words, where there is sin, grace, grace, God's favor, also abounds all the more. In other words, what it is saying is that sin in its darkness does not put out the light of God's grace. It is also saying that people like Rahab, uh, people like Paul, who calls himself the the chief of of all sinners, and people like uh, you and me. We're saved through grace by faith. And it is our faith that allows us to be righteous before God, just like Abraham, just like Rahab. I want to show you this. Look at, as I said to you, Hebrews chapter 11. The most important thing about your life and my life is wrapped up in one word. There's a lot in the Bible that you can wrap yourself around. The blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus being our Lord and Savior. But there is absolutely nothing more powerful than your and my faith. Faith is the key to everything in your life. Whether it was in the Old Testament, they believed that the Messiah was going to come one day, or whether it's us in the New Testament who look back and believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith. Now faith, it is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. For by it, in other words, verse 2, by faith, Men of old gained approval. In other words, they were counted righteousness, Abraham, for instance, because of faith. He believed God. And so it says in verse 3, By faith the worlds were prepared just by the word of God. What was invisible, he made visible just by saying, So be it. Verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. What Abel gave, as we've already mentioned in, in Genesis chapter 4, Cain brought, brought the Lord God the fruit of the ground, remember? And he, he gave it to the Lord, and the Bible says that, that the Lord had no uh, approval of what Cain brought him. But he did of what Abel brought, because Abel brought an animal where blood could be shed. He couldn't get any blood out of Cain's fruit, and so... The Bible says, by faith, Abel did well because he did what God asked of him. Verse 5, by by faith, Enoch was taken up. But verse 6 is the key. Verse 6 you ought to get to know. Because it says, without faith, it is impossible. It is utterly impossible for you and I to please God. Because the person who comes to God must believe that He is and that He will reward those of us who seek Him. Without faith, it is utterly impossible for you and me to please God. And so I ask, have you placed your faith in Him as yet? I hope you'll consider that today. You see, faith is the key. If we can turn back now to uh, Joshua chapter 2, we'll see that Rahab 
put her faith in God long before the spies ever arrived in Jericho. So for the commentaries that reason she lied because she was not yet a believer, they're wrong. She had already placed her faith and trust in God. She was like the people that are mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. People who had turned to God from idols and served the living and true God. That was her. She just, in my, this is my opinion, this is, we can't verify this, but I believe she was of Gentile who had no background in, in, the, in, in the Word of God, in the Torah. She had no background on the, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so she is basically flying, if you would, by the seat of her pants, trying to figure out how to do this thing called faith. And so in verses 1 through 8, here's the, the rub. Rahab says to the king, I haven't seen these guys Remember Proverbs 12:22, lying lips is an abomination to the Lord. She told an out loud, an outright lie to the king to protect these men who she did not know, and she jeopardized her life as well as probably the life of her family to protect these guys. Why? Why did she put her life on the line? She didn't have to. Why did she lie to her own people, her king, so as to protect their enemy? Before we answer that question, let's rise one more question out of this. Is it possible to condone what Rahab did? Scripture is clear. Clear. You and I, as children of God, are to obey the authorities who are over us. So the king comes to her, and the king says, Have you seen these guys? They're supposed to be in your house. I've seen them, but I don't know where they are. She hid them upstairs. Rahab certainly did not honor the king. So what should we surmise from what she did? I believe there's an explanation. Turn to Acts chapter 4, please. Now, a, a believer in Jesus Christ should obey the authority of the land. In reality, you and I as believers ought to be the most law-abiding abiding citizens in the land. But, but when there are laws of the land that conflict with the will of God, the revealed will of God, then you and I have no choice but to obey the commandment of God and not the land. Acts chapter 4. The apostles, Peter and John, primarily healed this guy on the Sabbath. The Sanhedrin found out about it the Sanhedrin were the religious and the political leaders of Israel. So they, the apostles, were to fall under their authority. They call the apostles in to meet with them. Look at verse 16. They, the Sanhedrin, they said, what do we do with these guys? Uh, I just, I misread that. What shall we do with these men? These men are the apostles. They say, for the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to everyone who live in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. These men performed an outright miracle, and there's no denying it. 
So what are they to do, the Sanhedrin? Verse 17, they say, so that it will not spread any further, this miracle or the news of this miracle, so it won't spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. This name meaning the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, let's stop them from telling people about Jesus Christ. So, they call them in, in verse 18. They summoned them to the Sanhedrin and they commanded them. In other words, they put down a law. They put down a rule. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus Christ. What do Peter and John say? They answered them in verse 19 and 20 saying this. Listen now, listen. Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking about what we have heard and seen. Folks, first and foremost, you and I are to obey the Word of God rather than to obey the Word of man. That should be our attitude as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, Let's go back to Joshua chapter 2 and let's let Rahab, to the best of her ability, answer the first question of why she lied to protect the enemy. It's in verse 8 through verse 13. It says in verse 8, before they laid that down, in other words, before the two spies went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof. And she said to the man, verse 9, two words, really key, I know, very important. She knows something about them. She knows something about their God. I know, she says, that the Lord has given you the land. In other words, here in Jericho, it's yours. You just haven't taken it yet. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. Because, she says in verse 10, note, she encompassed everybody in Jericho. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. In other words, parted the Red Sea before them when they came out of Egypt. How long ago was that? Forty years. So for 40 years, they have been hearing that this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob parted the Red Sea and allowed the the, the Israelites to pass through and protected them. She says in verse 10, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. What she is saying is, I know, we know, we have heard that you men are under the will of God. For generations, the people have known. It wasn't just 40 years. We learn, if you go all the way back to Genesis, that God had Abraham tell the whole known world about who he is, who God is. And so God had been given the people of Jericho and the people of Canaan, really the people of this known world in which we live, ample time to decide upon whether or not they would turn to to believe or trust in Him. The true question might be, as we kind of maybe just stop this for a second, is how many years, for those of you that are here that have never trusted in Jesus Christ, how long will it be before you believe? 
what do you have to hear? What has to happen for you to believe in Christ? But more importantly, because of you that, that come here all the time, and, and I don't think anyone comes here all the time without having some serious belief in Christ because of the way we teach. For those of us who believe, how long will it take some of us to finally, fully, I mean fully, give our hearts to the Lord? You see, uh, we know better. Rahab heard. Rahab believed. Rahab knew that the, that the God of Israel was the one true God. Listen to her testimony about God in verse 11. It is powerful. She said, when we heard, in other words, when we heard of, of God who, who, who dried up the Red Sea, who parted the Red Sea, our hearts, she said, melted. No courage remained in any of us any longer because of you and for the Lord your God. Because, she says, He, this God who we've heard about, this God who she now trusts in, He is the God in heaven above and the earth beneath. That is her testimony. She believes He is the God of very God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't believe she knows all that, what that means yet. But she knows, and what she does know, she has trusted. So much so, so much faith that God places her in Hebrews chapter 11 as a woman of faith, a woman who trusted and believed in God because without faith, it would have been impossible for her to please God. And yet, you know, it's kind of like Noah. You know, when Noah was building this ark, and he, he was warning the people, preaching to the people. You, you know how many people came to believe and trust in him and got on the, the ark, don't you? Just his family. Just he and his wife and his three sons and their wives. That's all. Nobody else. Well, what we know in, in Joshua is by fact, Rahab is the only one that we know for certain has turned to God. Only one of this Gentile nation. It makes me think, you see, today, there's all kinds of people today who know as a historical fact that the truth of, of the gospel, they know that Jesus Christ lived. They know that he died on a cross. They know that he was buried and, and they've heard, they've had to have heard that he rose from the dead. And yet, they're not saved. Why? Because they simply will not believe and without faith it is impossible for them to please God and so Rahab not only believed but she now acts on her belief pleading for her family she heard about God she believed that he was the one true God and now she acted upon her faith by protecting these two spies that come to her home. So whether she should have lied or not, I believe Scripture is clear. Proverbs tells us that lying lips are an abomination unto the Lord. But she did what she thought was right. She thought that this was the will of God, that these men were there to spy out the land. And so I guess she decided to protect them. 
the only thing I can think of comparable to me would be if somebody came to my door and I knew they wanted to kill my daughter and she was hiding up in the attic. And they said to me, is your daughter here? And I say, yeah, she's in that trunk. If you want to go up those stairs, you'll find her. I'd say, no, I haven't seen her in years, man. I have no idea where she is. I would do anything to protect my family. I don't know that that makes it right, does it? I don't know. And so it says of Rahab, here in this place in Scripture, not in Joshua, but here in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, where she is called a woman of faith, by faith it says in Hebrews 11.31, Rahab the harlot, there she goes, she's got that name, she did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And so, if you look at verse 14, after she pleaded for the life of her, in verses, uh, verse 13, the life of her father, the life of her mother and her brothers and her sisters, because she believes with all of her heart that it is God's will that this people, these Jewish people, were to take and possess the land. She pled for their lives. And so, in verse 14, the men said to her, Our lives for yours. If you do not tell of our business here, it will come about when the Lord gives us the land. We'll deal kindly and faithfully with you. And so we read in Scripture what takes place. How do we justify lying? I can't. I won't. It's wrong. I could take a look at her life, though, and I could see what happened. Whether it's right or wrong, I can't say. I can tell you this, though. Through that, she was a woman of faith, so faithful that God honored her, honored her in His Word by being a woman of faith and honored her by being born through her line. She gave birth to eventually was the birth of Jesus Christ. She, this Gentile, once pagan, once idol-worshiping harlot, is in the line of Jesus Christ. Here's what I get from this. There's nothing that you or I have done that God will not forgive us if we walk to Him in faith and seek His forgiveness. He will use the lowest of us to do great things. All we have to do is trust and believe. I love you folks more than I can tell you. I'm five minutes early. You owe me? F- no, no. <laughs> I love you with all my heart. Being a part of this church and being a part of your lives more than I could ever put into words. I love you. Yesterday uh, in the morning, we did a funeral here for Rob Kells, who was a part of our church. His family really honored him. And the one thing that I kept hearing over and over again was how much they loved their dad, how much they loved their husband, and how often they told each other that they loved one another. And so I know I tell you I love you every week. I know I do that. 
I don't want a day go by where I don't look you in the face and kind of, I know all of you that you say, I, how do you love me? You don't know me. I, I understand that. But I don't want to be here without telling you I love you. I don't want to be here without expressing to you what you mean to me and what this church means to me. I love you guys. Father God, thank you for uh, this time that we gather together in your name. And we thank you for, for uh, Rahab, Father. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting to me to try to figure out. We know very well that you do not want us to lie. There's no room for that. I understand that, Father. And yet uh, we see people in Scripture that have done some despicable things, and yet you still love them. Paul, for one. Paul was killing some of your believers left and right. And yet you said that he was a chosen instrument of yours. It's hard to figure all that stuff out. But it's not when we weigh it alongside of faith. When we see how much faith means to you, when we who have not seen can trust in you, that seems to please you a lot. And so, Father... For those of us who know you by faith, may we walk more fully with you. And for those of us here this morning who have never trusted in you by faith, may they please, dear God, ask you to come into their lives and forgive them of their sin, that they might be the people that you've called them to be. May we who know you also walk uprightly with you and be the people that you've called us to be. Thank you, Father, for this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen.